The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host for today's episode, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, That's So Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Hi. How, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I know, it's like we haven't spoken to each other in so long, like you were saying earlier, like since the draft? Yeah, yeah, me and you personally, I haven't talked to you since the draft, so, you know, I be life and, and whatnot. You can say that again. <laughs> and we're also joined by Nabias Wilborn. Nabias, what's going on, man? Man, nothing much, man. Let's get the party started, right? What's up? All right, man. Right before we get the party started, we want to let everybody know that this is No Score. You can find this on CSPN.us. You can follow us on Twitter at KTSPod. You can also find this on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio. You can also catch this on any podcast app for iPhone or Android. Just search CSPN or No Score to subscribe and download. So, of course, we're going to get into it. This is the finals preview, repeat, or revenge, as we have the Cavs versus the Warriors, part three. Um, an epic trilogy It's never happened before in the NBA, where the same three teams have battled for the championship in the finals three years in a row. So, we're going to get right into it, as we've had a dominant, dominant, dominant playoff run by the Warriors, 12-0. First time a team has gone into the finals, 12-0. The Cavs, 11-1, as they had one hiccup on their way to the finals this year. So, Nabias, I'm going to start with you as you're, you know, in the league, you know, got your ear to the streets. What's the legacy for LeBron James right now, reaching his seventh straight NBA finals? I mean, he's, he's up there with the ranks of the great Celtics from back in the day, the 60s and 50s that went to 11 straight, you know, finals in a row. I mean, he's getting into some of those guys' territory with these finals appearances. Just kind of what's his legacy and what's, you know, the, the buzz around the league? With that, it's so weird to say legacy, right? Because I mean, guys still playing. I mean, what he's thirty three, but he looks like he has at least another two to maybe three, maybe even four years playing at the level he's at. Which I don't know how he does it. Maybe he has the adamantium in him or something. <laughs> I don't know how this brother is able to do what he does and still be effective as he is. But man, shout out to him. Um, that being said, I guess if you want to say legacy. I mean, he's one of the great players of our generation. Uh, top five that are alive, uh, as my man Jada would say. And, I mean, we could go on and on and list all the superlatives. But I think the biggest thing is that he has owned the Easter Conference. And, I mean, you can say what you will, all oh, the East is down, East is weak. But, I mean, look, that, that year the Hawks went, they were a 60-win team. They, were, they had four All-Stars. Those Toronto teams have been pretty good. Those Celtics, those, excuse me, those Celtics teams he had to get out of the way when he was in Cleveland were pretty damn good. Those Detroit teams he had to get out of the way were pretty good. I was told, you know, the East is weak, but go back and really look at some of the teams that he has had to vanquish over his time. I mean, it, it has been one of the incredible runs that we have seen, and we really do not give enough appreciation to him uh, and what he has contributed to the fabric of the NBA. All right, Jesse, I'll post that same question to you. Um, what does this reaching the finals for the seventh time, um, you know, do for LeBron's legacy in your eyes? What does it do for me? Um, well, Nubai said a lot of it in just solidifying that he's one of the top, you know, players to ever play the game of basketball. I mean, sure, everyone will argue Michael or Magic or Larry or whoever you want to put in. And the, I think that this perennial chasing of the ghost is just to say I'm on top and I'm you know the 
I'm one of the, or I am, I either I am the greatest or I am one of the greatest of all times to ever do it. Right, right. Um, right now, he's just making it where he has no peer for his generation, at least, like where Michael Jordan had no peer for his generation. You know, we had the um, Ewings and the Elijah Wands and the David Robinsons and Carl Malone's and guys who were close, but, you know, there's still that gap in between them and Jordan. That's what LeBron has done to this you know, era of basketball players. And so, um, the boss's point, it seems like the East, I was thinking about this, the East hasn't really done anything like earth shattering except for LeBron switching teams. That's been the only thing in the East that's kind of shaking things up. I mean, there hasn't been a team or a coach to kind of come out of nowhere, kind of like in the Western conference where the Warriors came out of nowhere or where the Phoenix Suns came out of nowhere, you know, a few years before them where it kind of shook up those style of play and, and, and the way everybody kind of adjusted and, and did things. Nobody's made that run at LeBron like that yet. And yeah. it's just very interesting that he's, you know, kept this dominant, um, you know, like you said, since he got past, you know, Boston, he's pretty much had it on lock. So, I mean, I would say the only shattering thing that the East has done is compete for number two. Um, <laughs> you know, you have Toronto who, I mean, not really. You have well, This year was, Boston, it was Washington. Some would argue Toronto. Some would say Atlanta. I don't know. I, they're just it's as you see in the East, it's Cleveland and a whole bunch of other dudes that muddle together and look the same depending on the day it is. Right, right. So, you know, kudos to them. Now we're going to shift over to the Warriors. And Jesse, I want to post this question to you since you live in that area, as they say. How much pressure is on Kevin Durant in this finals to come through and be the difference for the Warriors? I think that's the only thing that. No, no, that's a big thing that we're paying attention to because he left Oklahoma City because he was like, I'm tired of being number two. I was drafted second. I keep coming in second. I want to come first. And if he doesn't come first, well, I feel like it, I see that if he doesn't come first, when was this? I, I'm not going to say it's all for naught, but how do I say this? It's just him coming in. Oh, yeah, for screw it. Why not? It's just him coming in second. The one thing he was been trying to escape his entire career. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just the ghost of he might be one of those guys. All time, all time great talent. Nobody's ever seen anything like him. But yeah, but just came up in the wrong era because he had to face LeBron. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's that as much as I mean, you really look at it, right? Like he's in a no win situation here, right? He is. Yeah. If if they win, then it's gonna be like, oh, well, you just doing with those guys. Even though I mean, he's a big part of what they do and why they are as good as they are this season. And at the end of the day, right. as good as that team was, they still didn't get the job done. They still had holes. They still were missing things, right? Yeah, they went 73-9 in the regular season, but, you know, and I, I swear if I hear the 3-1 lead one more time, I probably will vomit, even though I'm not a fan of either team like that. But, it's, but that it's, doesn't you know, mean it wasn't funny. Yeah, it's just funny, you know how it goes. It's literally been a year now, but all that being said. Well, I want to add another point to that, because, like, I remember um, the Warriors, like, right after the the, um, the Cavs won the Eastern title, they are like, oh, you know, they're, they're I guess they're champions by name only, like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have, let's not remember how this all unfurled. Well, like you also have to go all the way back to everybody claiming that the Warriors championship in the beginning was because they got breaks and they ran into all these injured teams on the way, you know, in the well, conference I mean, finals and the, in the finals. So, yeah, okay. you know. That's kind of how the NBA works. I mean, like the players yeah. in and of themselves is a right. I mean, it's adding two extra months to an already long season, right? You have this 82 game season. And then you add two more months to it. So, yeah, like, a lot of it is going to be a battle of attrition. If you look at this season, I mean, you face the Spurs team. In that first game, say what you will, but when Kawhi was healthy, hey, they was giving the Warriors the blues. So, mm-hmm. if he goes out, 
you know that series is over. Now, I'm not saying the Spurs win that series, but I'm saying they put up a lot more resistance with a healthy Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is that damn good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like I said, I think they win that game at that first game at home with Kawhi. Excuse me, at Golden State, excuse me. That first game was at Golden State at the home court. They win that first game at Golden State. You split the series. Who knows what that series becomes? That series may go six, seven, eight games now. Whereas without Kawhi, it was a sweep and a pretty much embarrassment. So, you know, I mean, teams are the beneficiary of luck. I mean, you know, Isaiah Thomas goes out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, give the Celtics credit. They were able to scrap and get a win, you know, in Cleveland. But with a healthy Isaiah Thomas, maybe that's a whole different series. I mean, we don't know. But, I mean, throughout throughout history, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and so on. I sound like a um, DJ playing the hits, but – <laughs> you know, that being said, right, um, no, matter what, on KD. no matter what decade, there has always been some good fortune. You go back in the age, you look at some of those Lakers teams. When James Worthy was out, they lost that finals to Jordan. You know what I mean? So, and, of mm-hmm. course, Magic wasn't as healthy. I mean, yeah, Magic had the hamstring, too. Right. I mean, that was a really great thread on Twitter. And, and not to get too far off into this, I know we got a things, but there's a really great thread on Twitter where this guy literally broke down a lot of the quote-unquote good fortune that happened to Michael Jordan and the misfortune that happened to, like, say, opponents like Jordan Petrovic's dying. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but the bottom line is, generally speaking, in the NBA, other than the 70s, there haven't been very many champions. And by the way, the 70s was the time when somebody watched the NBA. So if you look at the areas in which the NBA have been the best, there have only been a few champions a decade. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be, because the NBA is not the NFL. It's not mm-hmm. a parody league. Right. All right. All right. All right. So what's your most intriguing matchup going into this series? I mean, it can be more than one, but um, Jessica, what sticks out to you as far as, you know, what you're going to be watching and what could decide the series ultimately? Um, The one thing I'm really looking at is this is the first series of this trilogy that everyone is healthy. Everyone is rested. Everyone is here to like Everyone is available to play. So my matchup is just all over the court just because, no one, like, we don't have someone, oh, you know, there's rumors of a bad ankle or rumors of, you know, a bad ankle. There's no shoulder injury to, Ky- to Kyrie, and there's no, what's happened in the last series? Why am I forgetting the injury in the last series? Yeah, here it is, me and Kevin Love hurt yeah. his shoulder. <laughs> right, right. That's why I'm like, why am I forgetting this? But, yeah, Steph yeah. doesn't have, it's not, you know, hiding injury, no hidden injury. Everyone's relatively healthy. Let's get to it. All right. Mills Lane, let's get it on, huh? <laughs> no, no bias? Well, uh, I think the most interesting is going to be Kyrie and Steph, right? I mean, neither right. one of them exactly. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are exactly great defenders. I mean, <laughs> I like both of them. Both are good kids, man. But neither one of them is exactly great defenders. But both of them are big scorers. So, who kind of controls that matchup? I think it's going to be a huge thing in that series. And then I'm more looking at that point. I think we know, or we can assume, what Kevin Durant's going to do. And I think mm-hmm. we know and can assume what LeBron is going to do on most nights, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Curry and uh, Kyrie will kind of even each other out. The question is, who else steps up? Is it a Kevin Love? Is it a Clay Thompson? Is it a J.R. Smith? Is it a Kyle Korver? That's, or is it a David West? I mean, who is that other person that gets those extra points? I mean, because obviously these are very – I mean, adding KD to what you have – makes Golden State a very special team. I mean, an all-time historic special team. But I think the Cavs match up with them a lot better than anyone else will. 
the question really is, can the Cavs defend enough in order to keep things close? And that's what I think will turn the series. Or not. Okay. okay. Um, for me, when the Warriors have gotten beat, it's because they let other teams get offensive rebounds. So one of the big matchups that I'm looking at is can the combination of Tristan and JaVale McGee keep I mean, um, Zaza and JaVale McGee keep Tristan Thompson off the backboards in this series. Um, that's basically how the series started to turn around uh, last year was just Tristan and Kevin Love just kind of just crashed the boards and got everything that they could and got a lot of hidden points off of just offensive rebounds, easy putbacks. Another matchup I'm looking at is Ken Iguodala one more time, um, you know, get LeBron uh, the defensive effort in the fourth quarter. Um, I know he's been kind of hobbled early in the playoffs, but everything seems to be all systems go with him. Can he have that one more defensive effort? And then finally, um, how Kevin Durant is going to perform when LeBron guards him in the fourth quarter? Because that's probably going to be the matchup at some point. I don't think that they're going to put Kevin Love on Durant in the fourth quarter when it's good money time. So can KD make those winning plays when he has the advantage on LeBron. So that's kind of the three matchups I'm going to be looking at. So now that we've talked about our matchups, we've talked about the pressure and the legacies, it's time to make our predictions. Nabias, I'll let you go first, man. Oh, man. Um, I, got, I, got, I got Cavs in seven. Well, to be tough, okay. because, I mean, they're playing them. I mean, obviously, game seven will be at Golden State. But I think if anybody can win a game seven on the road, it's Cavs who have done it before. Yeah, yeah. We all saw it last year. Be back to the future. Jesse? Oh, this is so hard. Why must I pick? Um, I've been on the fence about this for a while. And I'm going to go with my gut and say Warriors in six. Yeah, yeah. All right. Warriors in six. All right. Jesse? I agree with you. I can hear the certainty in your voice. You sound very certain. I, I'm very uncertain. That's true. I'm I'm admitting to my uncertainty. <laughs> I'm admitting it. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I'm taking my gut says Warrior Six, and my gut is unsure. <laughs> She's got butterflies in there, folks. Um, yep. I'm going to take the Warriors in Six, and I'm going to be a little bit more confident than Jesse. I, I think that this year, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that this year, actually, I, this is going to be crazy what I'm about to say. But I think that JaVale McGee can actually help them if uh, Draymond Green decides to go rogue this year and get suspended and he has to do one game service. And that's the one thing they didn't have last year with somebody else to match up big in the game where he got suspended and Steve Curtis had to go small. Tristan Thompson dominated that game. He had like a career high and the series turned that night. So that's why I think the Warriors are better prepared this year to keep him off the backboard. So Warriors in six. Reminder that you are listening to Know the Score. You can find us on CSPN.us. Follow us on Twitter at KTSPod. Now we're going to get into the NBA war season as they're going to have a big show, kind of like the NFL now, end of the year war ceremony with Drake as the host on TNT. So Why? that should be a lot of fun. Why? Well, the concept should be fun. I guess, I guess you're um, objecting to the host. You know, yeah, I am. Whatever. I said it. Well, I, I mean, you know, he's a, you know, the celebrity right he's now. NBA fanboy, I get it. Right, right. So, um, this year, for the sake of the television broadcast, they narrowed down all the candidates with the awards to three candidates per award. So, we're going to go over the top three awards they're going to be given out. So, we're going to start with the MVP. 
the nominees are going to be James Harden, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and of course, Russell Westbrook. Jesse, does Russ against the world take it all? I mean, because he's the last, he's a third, he's, because they've already narrowed up the, the you no know, contenders, yes, but uh, yeah, I'll give it to Russ just because, you know, you have a season that on par with Oscar Robinson, Roberts, Robinson? Robertson. Yeah, Robertson, <laughs> like, wait a minute. All right, let me start that again. So, he, yeah, I'll go with Russell just because he's had a season on par with Oscar Robertson, but I'm personally, I'm not really sold on any three of these. I mean, sure, Leonard, you know, best defensive player in the NBA, Harden, buckets on buckets on buckets on buckets, but it is really the best that the NBA, you know, the regular season had to offer, or those are three? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Nabias, who would you have for MVP this year? Um, are, you, are you able to say? Did you have a vote? I actually, like, um, I do, and I don't know if I can actually. Uh, okay. Now, let's not get you in trouble. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I can do. Um, I would say. Did you vote for any of the? Okay, was your vote for any one of these candidates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it definitely was. Um, right. Because we're supposed to like, they're supposed to like do our vote to the reveal, and I got to figure out how that works. Um, okay. I, here's what I can say. From people okay. who I've spoken to who have voted, most people, it was between Westbrook and Harden. And I could see the arguments for both. I could also see the arguments for Kawhi. It, it's going to be uh, – okay, here's what I'll say. What it will boil down to is do you look at Harden and say his team had more success mm-hmm. than, than Russell? I think I think for most people those are the two candidates. Um, or do you look at – the novelty or the specialty of the season that Russell Westbrook had averaging a triple-double? Or do you say, well, Harden damn near averaged a triple-double his damn self. You know what I'm saying? So I think mm-hmm. it depends on which you, which you value. Do you value the unique statistic, statistical anomaly of averaging a triple-double? Or do you say, well, Harden's team was better and they went further in the playoffs? Oh, and they beat but Westbrook. if we're going based on that success argument, shouldn't it be Leonard, though? Well, again, I'm saying... Because of the two, yeah, the two guys that are the two front runners. Okay. If you're looking for differentiating factors, then I would say you would... I could see the argument for one, and I could see the argument for the other. So, I I, I don't think there's any... I don't think you can really have any qualms anyway, unless you have the qualm of saying, well, LeBron James should have been Mm -hmm. in the top three or four or whatever have you, but a lot of that too is mm-hmm. a lot of that too. Of course, is based upon how they're doing the awards. And quite honestly, I'm not a fan of it. I just don't like it. But that's all the conversation for another day. Well, I, I just think that's the that's the the issue with MVP in basketball more than any other sport is because you know individually somebody could do something as spectacular as Westbrook has done and not quote unquote have as much success as a Harden who you know kind of changed his whole game up to get to the success and took his team from a six seed last year to a three seed this year and was a real factor. So it's like, you know, like you're saying, Tobias, it's like, what do you value more? The individual merit of, you know, the value of that one player or the team success that that player has, the other player provided. So I think it's going to be really tight. And if, Russ does win. It won't be by a lot, and if Harden wins, it won't be by a lot either. It'll be a few votes here and there. And I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer because I've written about it on both sides. I mean, again, like I said, it depends on what you consider 
as cream or sugar or black, but exactly. it's coffee, and right? Think, <laughs> and I think either is okay. And I think you know, I think, and I think this is healthy, a healthy conversation about you know what is valuable in basketball and what is. What's your article posted, Tobias? Right. Oh, it's on SportingNews.com. You can check it out there, and there'll be one coming as soon as the announcements are made. So look for that, and got a few other things that you know are out there in the out there in the horizon out here. All right. So now we're going to move on to other two awards really quick. We've got Ricky of the Year. We've got Malcolm Brogdon, Joe Embiid, and Dario Sark as the candidates for that. Uh, Jesse, got a preference for this one? Mm, not really. Um, I'm just throwing a guess out there. I'm just going to say Joe Embiid. Right. I, I, I'm agree with you. I think he, you know, his name rings the most bells. And he, even though he got his season cut short, he did probably make the most impact. Even though his teammate being a nominee might kind of cut into his votes. Um, the bias kind of was the scuttlebutt around the league around uh, the young guys. Well, I mean, there's, again, there's another question, right? I mean, Joel Embiid played what 35 games, right? Like uh, just uh, over a third of the season. Yeah, yeah, he played what? I think I don't think he played 40 games, right? Like, maybe 35, no, not, whatever. Whatever it was, it wasn't mm-hmm. half the season. You know what I mean? So, can you really say a guy is the rookie of the year? I mean, his team was, you know, not that great with him, and they weren't that great without him. So, even that's not necessarily something where you're like, oh, well, hey, you know, in 30 whatever games that Joel B played, that his team had this many more wins with him than without him. You can't even say that. So, as good as his stats are, he can play. Joel Embiid can mm-hmm. play. He's a good player, man. I, this is hard for me to give him a vote in that way. But I, I mm-hmm. do think, I mean, I think he's a better player than the other two. But, you know, if you look at impact, I think Brogdon and Sarek had more impact. And again, the vote to me will come down to which one of them you think had the more impact that year. And, all, and also remember, like, you go back and look at the rookie of the year, like, it's not always the people who have the better careers. It's just who was better that season. Right, right. All right, our final award we're going to talk about is the Coach of the Year. That's going to go between Mike D'Antoni, Quinn Snyder, and Eric Spolstra. So, Tobias, uh, what's the least thoughts on the Coach of the Year? Well, I mean, again, that's one of those interesting ones, right? Because Eric Spolstra is probably one of the least acknowledged coaches in the NBA um, because everybody just assumes, okay, well, you know, here's this film guy. And he just won because, you know, LeBron runs the team. And it's kind of the same thing that they're trying to do to Tyron Lue, which is BS because you could tell the difference between even with the Cavs from when David Black, who I like, by the way, shout out to David, and Tyron Lue. You can tell the difference in that team. Mm-hmm. That being said, Eric Spolster nearly took the Miami Heat, who only really had Hassan Whiteside as a good player, maybe one or two other guys who were – Kind of, I, I mean, and saw the rebirth of, oh, what's my man's name? It's losing me. Uh, oh, yeah, the guy who used to play for the Cavs? Yeah, 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 you know, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, Waiters, Deion Waiters. Yeah, Deion Waiters, Deion Waiters, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Deion was a fuck-up. I mean, he was, you know what I'm saying? could always play, <laughs> but he was a screw-up. I mean, good kid, man, just, you know, it's a bit of a screw-up, man. So, anyway, you take, you know, this Deion Waiters kid, and you get a good, consistent season out of him. Then, then you make Hassan Whiteside an all-star caliber player. Not saying Hassan Whiteside didn't already have the skill because he had the skill. You knew that. It just was getting him to do it consistently. And he did it. So, again, I look at Spolster. Then I look at D'Antoni, and, and I know 
their playoff run ended badly, and he got out coached pretty badly by Pop. But shit, who doesn't get out coached by Pop, right? That's part for the course for him, yeah. though, man. That's his that's his career nemesis. That's what that's just what happens. Well, I mean, but it's, it ain't just him, though. I mean, he go. I mean, yeah, it's, it's anybody, man. I mean. Anybody can get it. But when, but when, but when D'Antoni's in his last days, and his great grandchildren are talking to him, did you ever win the championship? It'll be like the end of a Scooby Doo episode. I would have if it wasn't for that damn Greg Popovich. Yeah, but see, he ain't the only one saying that though. I mean, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, but I again, I, I mean, Mike D'Antoni. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a better coach than giving credit for, and. I can see voting for him would be interesting. And then I was talking about, I mean, the third name, give it to me. Quinn Snyder. Oh, Snyder. I mean, look at that Utah team. I mean, Quinn, I mean, first of all, Quinn's a good X's and O coach. But Gordon Hayward made one of the better leaps in the NBA. And the center. Gobert. Mm -hmm. Rudy Gobert. He's an all-star now. And a lot of that has to do with Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff that he's put around him. And that Utah team, hey, man, look, you know what I mean? They had a tough exit in the playoffs, but they had a really good season. They're and, building something. And they're kind of going back to kind of the old school, kind of the old school Utah Jazz. They run a lot of that double high set that, you yep. know, Stockton and Malone made famous. So, yeah, he's kind of got back to the roots of their yep. kind of team. I mean, they, they, play, they, play a, they play a pleasant to the eye brand of basketball. And they're fun to watch. And, you know, look, it, it's tough to get free agents in Utah, man. I mean, right. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful place. And by the way, he got he got something out of Boris Diaw again. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I I I think out of the three, I think coach of the year would be the toughest because I can make an argument for either coach. And Spoelstra had a hardest time because his team didn't make the playoffs, but I could also say he had the least to work with and got the most out of it. Mm-hmm. I could say Quinn Snyder made the biggest leap, and I can say that. Um, D'Antoni found a way to work with what he does well with what James Harden and those other guys on that team do well. I mean, you know, you look at you look at some of those players, Eric Gordon, guy who had been in you know what I'm like you look at some of these guys and you're like, okay, Patrick Beverly, guys who had been kinda on the fringes that really yeah, exactly. had career they, years. Yeah. I mean, and guys have their career years under under D'Antoni. Right, right. Go go ask yeah. the Canadian point guard, he'll tell you. I mean <laughs> Guys, so, have, guys have earned a lot of money in their life off playing under Mike D'Antoni. So, like I said, I, I could go either way. I mean, yeah. All right. So, from the uh, awards, we're going to go to the NBA draft and the ping pong balls. The lottery fell and the Boston Celtics. They got the number one pick, followed by the L.A. Lakers, followed by the Philadelphia <laughs> 76ers. So, if you are a conspiracy theorist, it looks like the NBA is gearing up to, uh, you know, try to get, you know, two East Coast teams and the Lakers back Probably. on track. Yeah, back on track. So, Nabias, well, actually, Jessica, I'll let you chime in first. It's come out now that Isaiah Thomas has this hip injury. It may be serious. It may not be. Um, it looks like he's going to try not to opt for the surgery, which is kind of always bad news because it seems like it always never goes good when they just do the rehab. Should Boston trade the pick or should they go after one of the elite point guards at the top of the draft. Hmm. Um, how, okay, quick question for me. Isaiah Tom, Thomas is 28 now? Yes, he's about 28. 27, 28? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really seeing a big case to sign him on for. I mean, I see it, but I'm not really swayed by the case of 
paying, giving him forty million for no, giving a whole lot of money in the com- in the in the coming years. Um, but as for the draft, a party says why not, but I'm just not sure who they can. I mean, if, imagine Lon- okay, the Lonzo Ball with the Celtics. That'd be a really interesting prospect, and you know, might not get much playing time. Or no, I mean, the Sixers. That'd be really, really interesting. But back. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of you actually answered kind of our, our, our question that you know kind of comes goes with this. So, Nabias, I'll pose it to you. Um, what should Boston do with the pick? Um, you know, Isaiah Thomas had a difficult time guarding guys in the playoffs, which is what it's all about for Boston right now. Is you know they're kind of in championship or nothing window right here. Um, is it good for them to, to to keep the pick, get one of these top point guards, and kind of pair him with Isaiah and just say, hey, Isaiah, thanks for your service, and when the contract is up, the contract is up. And see, this is always a tough question to answer, right? Because right. you never really – and reason I say this, and it's something I try to tell people all the time, like, you never really know what a team's thinking is because you don't know what they know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't know what they know about a player. You don't know how they see it. So, assuming that Thomas is going to be healthy next year, right, mm-hmm. you think that the smart thing to do, we need to be get one of these guys and pair with them, get another score, get another distributor, and then you sign him as well. If he's mm-hmm. not, then that changes things. And, and that's the tough thing. We don't know. But, and again, also too, it depends on what you think about the draft. Do mm-hmm. you think one of these guys is what you need? If they are, then you might have to hold, you might have to hold tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at the top of the draft, at the top of the draft, the names are Markel Foltz, Alonzo Ball, of course, as Jesse has said. And I put Darren Fox. I've seen a lot of people have Monk. They're kind of interchangeable at this point. Um, so, Tobias, I'll go with you with this question. Um, who would be, if you just take those three guys and the three guys, the three teams at the top, who fits where the best? Well, I mean, I think the obvious would be ball in L.A., right? I think that's a cultural mm-hmm. fit as well as a need fit. I think it'll style be interesting. of play as well, probably. Yeah, style too. of play, just, you know, everything. I, I, think that's a, I think that's a good look for all parties involved. I mean, that's where he wants to be. That's where his family wants him to be. And say what you will about LeVar. I don't even feel like getting into him today. But, um, hey, man, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. And then I guess maybe folks to Boston. And then I guess from there, maybe Fox to Philly, Philly. maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like I said, and again, it depends on – and again, the thing with this draft, right, you always have to remember that this is what these prognosticators see as the top three players, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know what these teams are thinking, and even though he says they know what these teams are thinking, they're either lying to you or, well, or they're being fooled themselves. <laughs> so and, and I try to be careful saying that because it sounds mean, but it's just reality. Like, but I mean, you know, hey, team, you have the reality because Anthony Bennett was number one pick, but he clearly wasn't even the top tenth best player in that draft. Well, yeah, I mean, but the the, the Cavs thought he was. Oh man. <laughs> they were just in shambles of losing LeBron. They didn't know what they were doing. No, no, they, no, they, they, they thought they knew. I mean, and again, we can go, I mean, because again, I mean, these things happen. I mean, you think a player is going to be one thing, and he ends up being something else. I mean, you don't know. I mean, I, I think that's the, right. Like, I cover a little bit of college stuff. Obviously, you guys know I most cover NBA, and that's one of it's one of the toughest things. You just don't know. I mean, you how many times have we seen a kid be okay the next sure thing, and then he ain't? Or how many times you see a kid? It's, you know, you don't know about it. ends up being this big. I mean, because look, Steph Curry, I mean, you look at the Warriors, right? People call them a super team. I don't really know if I call them that because you look at what they did. Draymond Green was a second-round draft pick. 
Uh, Clay mm-hmm. Thompson was what pick number like 16, 17? And he so, was thought of as just a defensive player. He was there to strip their defense. He wasn't really yeah. for his scoring. Right. Um, Curry he was to be was, the big guard for Steph so they wouldn't get killed on defense. <laughs> exactly. Curry was what, pick 13, 14? I mean. Something like that. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. So um, the only, the, the top pick they had was Bogut, who, you know, was a good NBA player, but he definitely wasn't in hindsight a guy you're like, oh, well, yeah, he's the number one draft pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I tiled it up to say that we don't ever know what these teams are going to do. I, I guess that I, the only thing I, I only thing I'm pretty sure about is that if the Lakers can get LeVar Ball, excuse me, Lonzo Ball, they're going to get Lonzo Ball. The rest, uh, it's crapshoot. Yeah, Jesse, I see that. Like you said earlier, you're rooting for the chaos of it all, <laughs> where where Ball goes to anywhere but the Lakers. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's why I pay attention. This is why I watch this stuff because the chaos and just the shot. I mean, everyone's reaction to Boston getting that number two pick. That's like, yeah, number one pick. Sorry, hysterical. It's great. I mean, I, honestly, but I don't think it'll be a big deal wherever he goes. I it's mean, not, you know, no. I mean, people are gonna say whatever they say on Twitter. But the bottom line is, get. I mean, can this kid play? And that's what we'll mm-hmm. find out sooner than later. Like I said, drafts what June twenty fourth. Camps right. will start about two three weeks after that. Summer league starts. Uh, we, we we'll find out if he can play. If he can play, none of this matters. Exactly. Exactly. Well. We can always play here at Know the Score, and you can find us at CSPN.us. You can also follow us on Twitter at KTSPod. So at this point, just wrapping up, I want to get you guys get into some closing uh, comments. Um, you know, some things that we didn't talk about today. We got a lot of things going on. Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. U.S. Open golf tournaments getting ready to shape up. Uh, Tiger Woods made the news uh, this week. So, uh, Nabas, let's start with you. Just kind of your final thoughts. Well, I mean, uh, you mentioned Tiger, right? I, 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 I kind of want to say this just as in general thought, like, the way in which we report on DUIs and things of that nature, just charges, period, is very irresponsible, and it's unfair, to be quite frank. I mean, we don't know the whole situation. We do know that Tiger Woods was charged with a crime. That maybe he committed, maybe he didn't. We don't know. But people were so quick to be like, oh, he's got a problem, and he's falling off, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, okay, what happened to him in 2009? He did. You know, that happened, right? And, yes, his career has struggled since then. We don't know his personal life. I mean, he looked terrible in the mugshot. I mean, it wasn't the best picture. But, I mean, who's ever looked good in the mugshot? And, I, and I'm not even a Tiger Woods fan or dude like that. I'm just more saying I think we have to be careful, more responsive about how we discuss and how we talk about things when we don't know anything. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the everybody uh, took a springboard and was right. like, "Oh my God, he needs our prayers." <laughs> no, he's going through it, and oh, poor guy, he's falling. It's like we don't know. Like, shambles. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like relax. I mean, and look, and again, I mean, it could, it, it very well could be, it could not be, but I just don't like that we've gotten to this point where we have become so quick to make assessments, and we have maybe half the information. Right. All right, Jessica, I'll open up to you, Jessica. What you got? Sure. So, Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm Stanley Cup finals. Ooh, excuse me. Stanley Cup finals this week um, because I'm in Washington and, you know, Pittsburgh, ill. Uh, I'm rooting for the Predators, not because they're the Predators are playing against, you know, um, the, the, the Penguins, but um, I've been aware of PK Susan's story and I want nothing but the best for him. And after he has been released from. 
Montreal in the fashion that he has with no explanation, just be like he was distracting. And I didn't see anything. Well, personally, I didn't see anything distracting on my end. So, so I mean, Montreal, Montreal has some explaining to do. They won't. But I just want what's best for PK. So, Team PK. Alright. And for me, I'm going to do, since I'm the you know president of the Rampant Black Nickery Club, I'm going to give a shout out to Austin Dillon who put the number three car back in Victory Lane for the first time since 2000. Uh, of course, he took over the ride uh, after the death of Dale Earnhardt, but many years later, so it's the first time that car has been in Victory Lane since Dale Earnhardt drove it, so that was really cool to see that. And also give a shout-out to Takayu Masato, as he became the first Japanese driver ever to win the Indianapolis 500, as he made a pass with two laps to go to get around three-time winner Elio Castroneves, as he was racing towards history, trying to get his fourth Indianapolis 500 win. So, uh, yeah, pretty good day, Memorial Day of uh, auto sports, if that's your thing. So just give a shout-out to those two guys for their accomplishments this weekend. And with that being said, for Nabias Wilbur, and that's so Jesse. I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.